I'm so glad God keeps forgiving us. You guys know that he doesn't change. That's so cool. So when we read about the promises of God, they're a for sure thing. It's not wishful thinking. Oh, I really hope he's Savior. No, he is Savior. Our hope as believers is a sure thing. And we are surely going to be with him one day soon. It's going to be good. You guys, oh man, do you guys know how good heaven's going to be? I cannot wait. How many of you guys are homesick? Can't wait to get there. Yeah, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. All right, let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We got through the first 13 verses together the last time we were in Corinthians. And this morning, we're going to pick it up in verse 14. And for you guys who are visiting this morning, this is what we do on a Sunday. We take God's word serious, and God has told us to preach the word, the whole counsel of God, line upon line, precept upon precept, the whole counsel of God. And that's something we take serious here at Freedom. So we just work through the word of God. Does God speak every week through his word, guys? Raise your hand if you would say, yeah, he speaks to me. Yeah, his word is alive. It is powerful. Um, So this morning, guys, we're going to look at verses 14 to 33, and it's all about God, and it's all about him being glorified. Before we jump into a verse, I want to share a quote by St. Francis real quick. This is very dated, but I love what he said, and it's still very applicable for you and I this morning. He said, some men become proud and insolent because they ride fine horse or they wear feathers in their hat or they're dressed in a fine suit of clothes. Who does not see the folly in this? If there be any glory in such things, the glory belongs to the horse, the bird, and the tailor. I think St. Francis hit it on the head, right? He got it. Okay, If you guys remember with me last time, Paul explained that the ancient real Israelites had God's miraculous presence, protection, and provision. Yet, an entire generation died en route to the promised land because of disobedience. The Corinthian believers also needed to take heed to taking advantage of their liberties, lest they also fall short of God's best for them. Can we get a testimony? Can you guys raise your hand if you agree that God's ways are better than ours? Amen. I know it's true. So let's take a look. What does God have for us this morning? And as we study through this chapter, it's going to get very real for us. It's going to be very practical. And again, guys, we have been created for what? His glory, okay? And I want us to keep that in mind as we go through the end of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 14, the question is fellowship or friendship. It says in 14, therefore, my beloved, flee idolatry. Do we have an idolatry problem today in the world? Okay, good. You guys know what we're talking about. (laughs) I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or is offered to idols, or yeah, offered to idols is anything. Rather, verse 20 says that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons. You have the cup of the Lord in the cup of, or sorry, of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So I love that it says right from the get-go that we are to flee idolatry. Okay? 
The word flee in the Greek is fugo. And I always think of fool, go, okay? There's an idolatry thing, get out of there, have nothing to do with it. And I love that they use the word flee, okay? Do you guys know about little fleas? You guys know a little flea can jump seven feet? That's taller than me, guys, by a lot. (laughs) Seven feet. And catch this, guys. They can jump forward 13 feet. That's 200 times the size of their body. Think about that. So when we flee idolatry, get out of there. That's the point. Like a flea, okay? Why do I share this with you guys? Because this is what I think when I read this scripture, and I want you guys to think the same way. (laughs) Idolatry, time to flee, okay? Get out of there. And then look at verse 16. It all starts with the cross, right? We did communion together, okay? It's about the cross, okay? It's always, it always starts at Calvary, what Jesus did there for us upon the cross. Has there been ever a greater demonstration of love in all the history of the world? No. God would come from heaven to his own creation to do what we couldn't do because he loved us. And then he demonstrated that love by laying down his life on the cross. Think about it. You guys ever wonder why there's crosses on every church building? Okay? There's always crosses. Why? Because that's what it's all about. We are no forgiven. We're not forgiven of any of our sins if he didn't die for us, guys. There is no hope of eternal life, of salvation without the cross. So our communion is at Calvary, but our contact must be with the world. Okay, We are salt and light here, brothers and sisters. Our fellowship is with Jesus Christ, but our friendship is for those who do not know the Savior. So if a Christian moves in ungodly circles and has contact with them, even an occasional meal, they're often accused of, hey, You're fellowshipping with unbelievers. You're fellowshipping with the world. But it's nothing of the sort, guys. Your fellowship can stay at the cross, at Calvary, and your heart stay in tune with God while you seek to win souls for the Lord. And isn't that a burden we carry as believers? Every single person I bump into, the first thing I think is like, do they know the Lord? Have they been forgiven of their sins? Do they have a clue about the gospel? I hope so. And if not, I hope I have an opportunity to share with them. You see, guys, this is something that only you and I can discern when it comes to fellowship and friendship. We need to learn to live in separation to God as believers, but only we can discern why we're hanging out with the people we hang out with and the friends that we have that aren't believers and that's what paul's getting to here so if while moving in ungodly circles i find my heart is going after those things they enjoy i must quickly put a stop to it you need to discern you can't belong to christ and live in the enemy's camp essentially isn't that what paul is saying here that is what he's telling us believers you guys remember when david tried what he tried while he was with uh, Achish before King Gath when Saul was after him, okay, and he was hiding from King Saul. Of course, you guys remember what he did and what he had to pull off in order uh, to make it in the enemy's camp. The scriptures say of King David, so he changed his behavior before them. Okay, this was a man after God's own heart. The king of Israel, of God's people, the man who wrote most of the Psalms, right? A guy of faith that we all look up to. And what is he doing when he's out in the enemy's camp? It says, so he changed his behavior before them, feigned madness in their hands, scratched on the door of the gates, and he let saliva fall down on his beard. He had to become crazy in order to be in the world. Remember, God has called us to separation, but not isolation. How are we to be in the world, but not of it, guys? If we consider verses 21 and 22, are there any places that you shouldn't be frequently? 
going to? We need to ask ourselves these questions. Again, we're called to what? The glory of God. If I go there, am I glorifying God? Are there any tables that you shouldn't be sitting at? Here we have Satan's communion service. Did you guys catch what Paul's laying down here? He's not mixing words. Sometimes people get a little upset with me. Pastor, I can't believe you were that blunt. That you actually talked about sin seriously. That you were honest about what the Bible actually says. Guys, I love you enough to speak the truth. And God loves us enough to give us the truth. It comes from a place of love. And the Apostle Paul had a love for the church. And he is warning the church, hey, what do you Christians have to do with Satan's services? You've been set free. You were once under the rule of the bad king, but now you're under the rule of the good king, Jesus Christ. You're set free from him and his lies. You see, here we have Satan's communion service. He has a counterfeit church. He has a counterfeit gospel. And so he has a counterfeit communion service. So why are bars and nightclubs so successful? Have you guys ever wondered that? They are. You live in Wisconsin, guys. We're the biggest drinkers in the United States. We have more bars per person here in Kokona, Wisconsin, than any other city in the world. Why do people like bars? They offer fellowship where everybody knows your name. People desire fellowship. And that's Satan's yeah ever wonder why bars are called hey come here for spirits there's things going on guys and people want that they're looking for fellowship free to be yourself i think guys it's everything the church should have been uh, for them and probably failed in their time of need maybe they were judged rather than listened to how many of us christians just like to tell people how it is rather than, hey, listening, tell me your story. Who are you? What got you to this point in life? Wow, you have struggles, you have hurts, you have losses too. You're a sinner too? Yeah, me too. But let me tell you about this guy I know. His name is Jesus. And do you know what he did? And you share the good news of him, guys. You see, maybe, guys, we need to take time to listen. And so a church's communion feast and wine and bread was replaced with beer and nuts at the local bar. It's sad, guys. So how are you doing with both of these categories? Okay, Who are you fraternizing with? Do you still have friends in the world? Or have you so distanced yourself that it's impossible to have an impact on anyone? Do you have fellowship with Christians? Or are all your friends still your old friends in the world? Which two of these could you work on this week? we got to be purposeful, don't we? We need to be intentional. And that's why God speaks to us in such ways. Be real. Consider these things. Think on them. Now again, guys, I told you we wanted to keep in mind that this is all about him. And we are here for his glory. So let's take a look where Paul goes now because he really hits now. This is about him and it is to the glory of God. Verse 23, all things are lawful for me, Paul says. I can do all things. You guys know that we're not under the law any longer? When we are in Christ, we are set free. Okay? I have people ask me, hey, you're a Christian, huh? <laughs> How much do you drink? I drink as much as I want to drink, guys. Do you know that? I drink as much as I want to drink. For me personally, I don't drink alcohol anymore. Why? Because I do stupid things and I don't glorify God if I do. That's me. Okay? It's one of those things we're not held under the law. And that's what Paul's saying here. All things are lawful for me. But he says not all things are helpful. It's not going to help. 
All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify or build up. What's going to help us? Verse 24, let no one seek his own. We're good at that because it's all about me, isn't it? It doesn't matter that there's 7 billion other people upon the planet. <laughs> Screw all of them because it's all about me. Aren't we good at that? We live in the West. We are consumers. It's all about us, right? Yeah, shame on us. I mean, even logically, even if God wasn't in the picture and we didn't have any you know, sense of who he is and what he asks of us, isn't it just common sense that, hey, life really isn't about us? There's other people, and they have worth and value because they have life also. But how much more when we bring God into the mix and we actually recognize our creator and we understand that we've all been created in his image Whoa, that gives worth to every single being, absolutely, when you look through it through that lens, doesn't it? When you agree with what the scriptures say, like, whoa, God has created you in his image. You're an image bearer of God. You have worth. Aren't God's ways so much better? Anyways, what does Paul go on to say here? He says, let no one in verse 24 seek his own, but one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. And Paul, we covered that in depth in previous chapters. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols. Do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you. And for conscience sake, and for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is it my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I e or why... I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks. In verse 31, for whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Isn't that cool? So not all things edify. Not all things, guys, build up. Okay, Remember, you are on the king's business. Okay, We are to be about his business. And he grants no vacations from holy living. Okay, You're in Christ. So yet, it is not only about holy living, for God could not just bring us, you know, he could have just brought us home for that, right? You get saved. You've been reconciled, redeemed, born again of the Spirit. You are now holy. He could have just taken us home. Wouldn't that have been cool? Okay. But he also seeks to save those who are lost, right? Through you and I. So we need to be concerned about the testimony of ours, okay? Personally and corporately as a church. So what I want to do is just take a moment and throw out some uh, some tests and do we pass the tests scripturally because it doesn't matter what I think what does the Bible say for us as believers the first one I want to look at is the world test and you can jot down the references here we're going to go through a handful of them real quickly the world test okay is will you make me worldly to do it Okay, that's the question. And we read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, 16, and 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you guys understand when you come to Christ, our loves change? Okay? When you came to Jesus, what is the thing that you now treasured more than any other thing? Was it not him himself? Is there anything more glorious, more beautiful, of more worth than God himself? No, when you're born again in the Spirit of God, your eyes are opened and everything changes. Your priorities have now changed. It says, for all that is in him, the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is this not, 
is not of the Father, but it is of the world. In the world, it's passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Don't you guys love those scriptures? I do. Let's take a look at the next one, the quality test. Okay. Is it good for me physically, emotionally, spiritually? You guys think that's a good question to ask ourselves? Yeah. And I love what Romans 12 tells us. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Evil, (laughs) good, cling, right? Let's do the temple test. Can I do it? When I remember that my body is God's temple and must not be marred or misused. That's the question. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Wow. It has been bought with a price. Do you guys know the blood that Jesus shed on the cross? Okay. He was purchasing you okay the blood had to be shed it had to be given life had to be given what a great cost so that your sins could be forgiven be taken away we have the glory test okay we looked at this recently in first corinthians 6 um will it glorify my lord or will on the other hand possibly bring shame to his name. We're told in verse 20 of chapter 6, for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. And then this morning in verse 32, give no offense either to the Jew or the Greek or to the church of God. Let's look at the blessing test. I like this one. Can I honestly ask God's blessing on it and be sure I won't regret doing it? Simple question, right? Or told in Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And then we find in Romans 15.29, but I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of blessing of the gospel of Christ. Reputation test. Is it uh, apt to damage my testimony to the Lord? Okay, my testimony. Whether you guys like it or not, if you're a Christian, people are watching you. They are. Philippians 2.15 says that you become blameless, that you may become blameless as believers and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. We're definitely living in that, guys, among whom you may shine as lights. We should be radically different that we shine. Does darkness like the light? No, it's going to rub them the wrong way. But if we're living in a way that glorifies God, are they really going to have a complaint? Hey, I choose to stand in the truth. I'm standing in what God has said. And he's told me to stand in this truth. He's told me to share the best news of all time with the world. And he's asked me to love him and to love others. You guys think if we're doing things God's way that we're going to shine? Hopefully in a way that's attractive to the world. Hey, I I like that. I I, I like what you do. Why do you do what you do? (laughs) Jesus, (laughs) tell me more, right? Also, the consideration test. Am I being considerate of others and the effect this might have on them? I love Romans 14. It's very practical on how to live out the gospel. Check out verse 7. For none of us live to himself, and no one dies to himself. Again, guys, it's not about us. And then verse 21 says, It is good neither to eat meat nor to drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. And we've been able to cover that in depth studying through 1 Corinthians. But that comes from a place of love once again. Am I going to glorify God? Well, if I'm loving others rightly, it will glorify you. And if I do this, I'm going to stumble. I'm going to hurt others. I'm not going to do that. Right? So the consideration test. How about the appearance test? Will it look bad? Okay? Does it have the appearance of evil, of what is wrong or suspicious? 
1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from every evil or every form of evil. Okay? Abstain from that. Okay? And that's one of those things that we get, you know, <laughs> at least as a pastor, I've had people get undone. It's just like, all right, <laughs> it looks like you're doing this. Well, I'm not doing this. Well, it looks like you're doing that. I can't judge. You're telling me this isn't happening, but you're living with your boyfriend. You're saying you're not having sex. Just an example, you know, you guys profess, profess to know Jesus. You say you're sleeping in separate bedrooms in the same apartment. Maybe you are. But as profession Christians, what do you think all the other people that live in those apartments with you are thinking? Okay? It's one of those things, guys, appearance of evil. It's why one reason I don't walk into bars. I don't want one of you guys driving around with your kids and, hey, here's Pastor Landon walking into the bar, okay? What's he doing? I know you guys would think the best. Well, he's just going to share Jesus because, you know, these people are down and he just wants to share the good news with them, you know? And that's probably what I would be doing. But when I was doing youth ministry many years ago, we had dozens of these little teens hanging out at our uh, house over by um, uh, Fox Valley Tech, okay? We had a bachelor pad. I lived with three other guys, and they were all part of our youth ministry going on, and we had all these kids coming over our house on Monday nights. Well, youth pastor Chris, okay, on the main drag, there was the bar. How many of you guys have been to the bar? They got a bunch of volleyball courts in the back of it and stuff. Youth pastor Chris loves volleyball. I loved volleyball. I played volleyball with them there, Okay. And he would go on Monday nights to play volleyball. He didn't drink. But all these kids, at the same time volleyball was starting, Bible study was starting at our place, and they all saw, and they'd all come to Bible study. We saw Pastor Chris walking into the bar. <laughs> What's going on, you know? And it's one of those things that was awesome because I knew why Chris was there, and I was able to tell them, hey, Pastor's just going, and he loves playing volleyball. He's on a team there, and that's what they do on Monday nights over there. But if they didn't have somebody to check in with and ask, what are they going to think? Oh, there's my youth pastor. He goes to the bar. I guess that's what we can do as Christians. We can just go be like the world. Beer and nuts, you know? <laughs> All right, which one are we on? The appearance test, okay? Are you guys tracking with me? Is this helpful? Okay, and it's scriptural. This is not just me, just, this is, this is what God says, right? Uh, let's look at the weight test, okay? Could this slacken or sidetrack me from running my Christian race, okay? And we recently looked at Hebrews 12 together. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, these other believers, other saints, others who've had faith in God, he says, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So anything that's weighing us down in this life, God says, just get rid of it. Have nothing to do with it. Run. Run. I hate running. <laughs> but I'm willing to run if it's for the glory of God. I played a lot of football growing up. I loved football. I hate running. <laughs> and they made you wear all these pads. It was so heavy. Lay them off. That's why I loved. Any of you guys play football growing up? You guys ever have no pad practices? Were those not the greatest like, the gift from on high, right? It's just like, thank you, Jesus, no pads today. It was so much freer and so much easier to run. Well, Pastor, pads are, are they really that? That's not not much. I just see the little plastic things, a little helmet, your little stretchy pads, you know. <laughs> it does make a difference, even if it's little, guys. Do you understand? When we're running, even if it's a little thing, let it go. There's such a difference. Also, 1 Corinthians 9, we looked at this last time. Do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you'll obtain it. And don't we want to do that as believers? Well, I want to obtain it. What do I want to obtain? <laughs> Glorify my God because he's worthy. Yeah, the world says this. The world thinks this. They're saying this about me. Who cares? Do you guys know it's better to please God than man? Period. And if you are born again, you know that truth. 
And if you're born again, you want to live in that truth. But is it easy to do, guys? No. That's why we take the time to study the scriptures. That's why we take the time to take a test like this this morning. Ask ourselves these questions. Am I doing this? And then the coming of Christ test. I love this one. You can jot down 1 John 2, 28. Would I be ashamed to be found doing this when he comes again? You guys ever think about that? If you've been doing something like, oh, it'd be a bummer if Jesus returned right now. <laughs> if I got raptured, what was the last thing you were doing on planet Earth? Wouldn't it be cool to be at church? Yeah, we were worshiping Jesus, crying out to him. Praise you, Lord, he just took us. It was rad. Oh... Did I read this verse? No, I didn't. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Let me tell you what, guys. Live holy for you are holy in him, right? Live a sanctified life. I don't want him to come back and I'm yelling at my wife, you know, provoking my kids. That would be a bummer. What were you doing last on earth? I was yelling at Sonny. Uh, socks. You know? So I just don't yell at her. <laughs> just serve. Isn't that what we're called to do? Love and respect your spouse. You just do it God's way. If you're doing what he asks you to do, it's going to be cool when he comes. I was loving. I was serving. All right. A couple more tests. Two more. The companion test. Can I invite Christ to go with me and to participate with me in this? You guys think that's a good question? Because he's promised never to leave us or forsake us. So he's with us wherever we go, whatever we do. We can't say, Jesus, we're going to take a little time out. Pause right now. You stay here. <laughs> I'll be back in a half hour. It doesn't work that way, guys. You understand that? You're born again of the Spirit. He's with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. So, Matthew tells us, last chapter of his gospel, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. He didn't say sometimes. He's always with us, guys. Even in the hardest times. Even in those times where you feel far from him. He's not far from you. I am always with you. He says, even to the end of the age, amen. And then Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In our last test, the peace test, how many of you guys want peace? Right? If you win a beauty contest, what do you say you'd like to see? World peace, right? We all want it, okay? That's what we want for everybody, world peace. So after... Having prayed about it, do I have perfect peace about doing it? You guys know what I'm talking about? Because we all have decisions. Do we pray on those decisions? Do we have a peace about that? I know Sonny and I, a lot of decisions in life. You know, do we buy that? Do we do this for our kids? Do we send them there? Even what meals? How much should we spend on our food? Like, all those things. And there's just times where it's just like, yeah, this is what we do. And there's other times where... We don't have peace about it. What do we do? Pray. And if we don't have peace from God, we just don't do it then. Just pray. Um, we're going to take a look at Colossians again. Uh, the previous verse, verse 15, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Okay, A lot of things can rule us, but we're told to let God's peace rule us, to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. Thankfulness is good. Do you guys know that you can go through some really hard things in life and still have the peace of God? Do you know that? Think about that. Some of the most peaceful people I've seen were people that were departing this world. You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever with a believer when they pass? Man, they are in pain. Organs are failing. The physical is about to go. And they have the peace of God? What? Wow, what a beautiful thing, huh? 
Philippians 6 or 4, verse 6 and 7 say, Be anxious for nothing. Really, Paul? Is this really doable? God, are you serious? Yeah, he says, But in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, this is a promise which surpasses all understanding, even when things aren't making sense, out of control, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise. Now, Paul, guys, here, he draws back his arrow, okay, with his bow, and he strikes the mark, okay? Now, an arrow. How many of you guys like shooting arrows? I think they're pretty fun, right? Uh, we do that at the men's retreat sometimes. You guys should come. Um, I want to explain real quick. You guys know what a knock is? That's the end part that they put onto the string, right? Then you have the shaft, and then you have the head or the bullet point, some people call it. Now the fletching, okay, on there, the feathers, they're towards the back of the arrow there. And there, guys, you know, they're plastic. Sometimes you have real feathers if you're really cool. Um, <clears throat> but they give a little drag when it's shot, but it helps stable those feathers stabilize the shot so you're able to hit the mark. You guys ever shoot one without the feathers on it? Watch out, duck, right? <laughs> okay, not good. Those feathers do a lot. Now, I want to talk about uh, the first feather because there's three feathers I want to consider with you guys from the scriptures here. Back to 1 Corinthians, and we'll wrap this up this morning. First feather, guys, we need to live sacrificially for others but I want to live for myself. If you want to hit the mark in this life, you need to live for others. Esteem others better than yourself. That's what we're told in the scriptures. I want to read verse 23 and 24 for us here this morning. All things are lawful for me, he says, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. So God did not only save you that you might serve him, but that you might be or live in such a way before this fallen world to be an example, to be a witness of a changed life. And a lot of you guys, okay, you can look into your life and there's a huge difference and people can see that. I know some of you guys before you knew Jesus, there's a difference, okay? Um, so our first concern really is the spiritual wealth of the person that's before you. Whoever you're with, that should be our concern. Then you need not to worry about stumbling anybody. If that's your concern, their spiritual well-being. So the shaft and the arrow must be followed uh, or follow the pointed head. So wherever it's headed, okay, that's the direction it has to go. So hey, about carrying out this truth, okay? That's really laid out in verse 24 in our conversations, right? So you want to lose friends, just keep talking about you, your problems, your life, your work, your family issues, your hobbies, you, 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 and what you want. That's a guarantee to have a whole lot of friends. <laughs> no, it's not how it works, right? Um, long before the house of God was built, there were two brothers, they're said to live on Mount Moriah. One was a single man. The other had a wife and family. The two, ex they exemplified brotherly love well. Okay, they lived together in complete unity. They shared the same house without dissension. Every morning they'd get up early and they shared the tedious work of working on the farm. Soon it was time for harvest. The sheaves, they were gathered and carefully divided between two identical piles. Each brother would garner an equal share in the fruit of their labor. When finished, the two brothers, they returned home to rest in preparation for the difficult day of threshing ahead. The unmarried brother had a fit conscience. Later that night, he returned to the threshing floor and carefully redistributed the harvest. His heart was pure he reduced his portion of the sheaves to make his brother's pile larger, thinking, it is neither right nor necessary for me to keep an equal portion of God's bounty. My brother is a good man caring for his wife and family. It is better that he receive a bigger portion. 
Then he equally, or sorry, quietly returned to his bed. Shortly thereafter, the married brother awoke, and he told his wife, my darling, things are not right. This is unfair. My brother has an equal share of the harvest. I already receive a greater share of happiness because of the love I have for you and our children. My brother has neither. So they quietly went to the threshing floor and together they transferred a portion of their sheaves to the pile of the single brother. When daylight came, the two brothers went to thresh the sheaves. And as they reached the threshing floor, both brothers were amazed. Each pile was equal again. Perplexed, they quietly finished their work and they went home. That night, each brother determined to return to the threshing floor to bless the other. God's timing, always perfect. So it was again that quiet night. The two brothers arrived simultaneously. In an instant, they both understand each other's heart. Embracing, they gave each other a kiss of brotherly love. Wow. Let's hit the mark, guys. The second feather, don't be fussy. You can't live in the real world and make real decisions. It says in verse 25, eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. So we need to stop being glass Christians. Do you know what I mean by that? Easily broken. Okay? We can be so fragile sometimes. Do you know what they're doing now? Do you know what they said? We are so fragile. Let's be a little plastic, a little flexible, right? Blessed are the flexible, for they'll bend and not break, right? Um, third feather, don't practice license in the name of Christian liberty. Why? Check out verse 28. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for the conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I or evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Guys, his glory should be our single aspiration. Okay? His glory should be our single aspiration. I'm not into tattoos, but I know some people like getting tattoos with sayings. His glory should be our single aspiration. That is the reminder that we need daily in this life. It is about him. I'm here for his glory. So do you guys see why these three flight stabilizing veins of our arrow now strike their mark in verse 31? This is why we do these things. It's for the glory of God. That's why it's important we study the Bible. That's why we're here this morning, because we need to get it right. That we can do it right. That he can be glorified rightly. Does that make sense? In all that we do, I brought with this morning an old one of our Freedom Fellowship softball shirts. And on there I had put 1 Corinthians 10.31 on the end there. It's really small. You guys can come and look and testify later. Yeah, it's really there. But it's one of those things. Whatever you do, eat, drink, play softball. Whatever you're doing, guys, do for the glory of God. And we need to remember that especially when things might be getting a little heated out there on the diamond, right? <laughs> it's easy to get fleshy. We're in the midst of things, guys. But we want to do things for the glory of God. And by the way, the softball team took second place yesterday in the tournament. Well done. Praise God. So, 
We are not to make a mark, a name, or a reputation for ourselves, but for him. Right? You guys agreeing with me? Now, is that an easy thing to do? No, right? Okay. It's not make a mark, a name, or a reputation for Landon or you, okay, for ourselves, but it's for him, okay? It's not, wow, look how holy Landon looks. No, it's not about me. It's about him. You guys understand that? Our lives are about him. We should reflect him. I want to share one of all Oswald Chambers' devotionals. He said, The great marvel of the incarnation slips into ordinary childhood's life. The great marvel of the transfiguration vanishes in a devil-possessed valley. The glory of the resurrection descends into the breakfast on the seashore. This is not an anti-climax, but a great revelation of God. That's what it's about. How can God, or how can people see God through you, through your life? It is one thing to go through a crisis grandly, but it's another thing to go through an everyday glorifying God when there is no witness, no limelight, no one paying attention, okay? Um, We might no longer see, you know, those medieval halos, but we want something that will make people say, um, say of us, you know, hey, or not say of us, you know, what manner of man? Do you see how holy he is? Did you see how he prayed his prayers? He prays in the old King James. Woo! You know, it's like people do these things to seem holier than thou, and that's not what it's about. Oh, did you know that that woman, she goes to two Bible studies a week? She's so holy. Guys, it takes the almighty God incarnate in us to do the most trivial duty of glorifying God, even in the mundane, okay? When no one else is looking, when you're at home. It takes God's spirit in us to make us so absolutely humanly his that we are utterly unnoticeable. So our aim, guys, to manifest the glory of God in everyday life, to live the life hid with Christ in God in all human conditions. So the shallow concern of life are ordained by God, and they are as much of God as the profound. So the shallow things of life, whether it's the eating, the drinking, the walking, the talking, the driving to work, doing the laundry, all ordained by God. Are you guys hearing what I'm laying down here? It's all from the Lord and for the Lord. There are things in which our Lord lived, okay, and he lived in them as the Son of God. And he said that the disciple is not above his master. If our God humbled himself and became a man and lived in such a way, can we not do the same, guys? All right, wrapping up. Did I already say wrapping up? All right, this is our fifth wrap up. (laughs) Verse 32, it says, Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And that's what it's about, guys, that they would be saved. Man, somebody's getting really preachy. Um, Oh, we're really almost done. Um, You guys catch the three groups here, though? We have the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. I want us to catch that because, again, as Lance mentioned before, context is so important when we're studying Scripture. And it's easy to get theology wrong and get the Word of God twisted when we're not reading the context. And there's so many people that miss this passage right here in Corinthians. There's a lot of end-time debate, okay, theologically. What's going to happen? What does it actually teach us? Okay, a large part depends on your view of Israel. 
God is through with Israel and the church is now the spiritual Israel. Okay? Um, or God is not through with Israel and the church is the new and distinct from Israel. There's a lot of different views on it. But the cool thing is here we have three people groups, right? We have three people groups mentioned. We have the Jews. They sprang off from Abraham. They were chosen as earthly people. Okay, God's chosen people to be a, a nation miraculously preserved to the present time. And yet, they would be dominated, okay? Um, be glorified people on the earth in the coming age. You guys know they're the only nation to become not a nation, to become a nation again? The only people that have ever done it. And God prophesied that it was going to happen. That's pretty darn cool. God's faithful to his word. This is what I'm going to do. And sure enough, there are Israelites today living in Israel speaking Hebrew. Pretty darn cool. Jeremiah 31, 36, they would have a national identity. Genesis 31, 15, a land, a throne in 2 Samuel 7, 13, a king in Jeremiah 30, verse 20 and 21, and a kingdom in 2 Samuel 7, 16. God is faithful to his word. So four words have been used to describe the outworking of this divine purpose of God's concerning them. Chosen, scattered, gathered, and blessed. Okay, They were chosen, now scattered, yet they're going to be gathered and blessed. And then he brings up another group of people, Gentiles. How many Gentiles we have in here? Okay, If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. But there's one more group. Okay, um, The thing, real quick, Gentiles are prophesied about in Scripture also. It's not just the Jewish people. Okay, there is yet a future kingdom on the earth okay, that is Gentile-centered, and that gets pretty exciting, guys. We're a part of that. It's going to be so cool. Um, but then we have the church of God. A lot of people ignore this as a group in the scriptures. It refers not to membership of organized churches, but the whole company of those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, all who have believed on Jesus Christ, okay, that have been saved in this present age. They have been one born again in the Spirit of God. When is a person born again the Spirit of God? It's when they put their faith, they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, okay? John 3 5. Secondly, guys, they are no longer in Adam, but they are in Christ, okay? Partaking of the new creation in Christ, all things are new. Okay? We get to partake in his resurrection, in his glory. Thirdly, guys, in the sight of God, their nationality is changed, for they have come upon new ground where there is neither Jew nor Greek. Okay? It's not about being a Jew or a Gentile any longer, but it's about Christ being in all. Okay, And then, uh, God, what is he expecting then of the church? Well, in pertaining to the three groups, do you guys know what our job is as a church? To witness, to testify to the Jews and the Gentiles. That's what our group does. So the fourth thing, last thing, they are now citizens in heaven. All their promises, their possessions, and their position are heavenly, guys. We have been set apart. And isn't it cool to be a part of God's church? It is cool, guys. Nothing like it. Okay? We've been a mission here at Freedom for the last 15 years. Okay? We're not going to change a whole lot of what we do. It's going to be about Jesus. It's going to be about preaching his word and sharing the good news with others. That's what we do, guys. We live it out. We just don't give lip service to it. We want to be doers of God's word, not hearers only. And it's cool when a person comes to faith, when they get saved. It's so cool. I had a, Ginny's going to be getting baptized this morning too. And the last time I talked with her, she was just sharing about the blessing of this church family here. She's growing. She's loving the word, just being taught. And it's one of those things, she's growing in faith. And that's the cool thing. It doesn't matter if you've been in the Lord for a long time, if you're new in the Lord, if you're young or old, you guys know that God is good. And he has things for each and every one of us. And he wants to do things in and through us. And that's one of those things, guys. You know, as we move forward, you know, it's just like, well, what's the plan? What's the vision? Okay? I have a lot of vision. I have a lot of ideas. But I wore my prayer t-shirt this morning on purpose. Because I'm considering all these things. And I have a lot of thoughts. Okay? We need to pray, guys. Did God not say my house is to be a house of prayer? 
And as I look back, I've seen God do so many cool things, so many neat testimonies. Even the hard things we've seen God work out for good over the years with Freedom Fellowship. He has been so faithful and so good and gracious to us. That's not going to change. But as your pastor, the one thing I regret is I wish I would have spent more time praying for our church family over the last 15 years. That would be the one thing that I would change. Because there's always so much to be doing, much to be done, more things that could be happening. And the Lord is constantly, since day one, he's been calling me to step back, pray more, pray more, pray more. And I think that's a call for all of us. Would you agree? If we would pray, I see God do so much through prayer. So that is something I'm going to start speaking to in the way of vision for us as a church family, that we would be praying more that our men's prayer times, our women's prayer times, that, hey, that's something serious. I take that serious. And I know it's important. I pray, and that's why I'll go to prayer. That's why I'll be on my knees in my closet. I'll be praying. Yeah, I want to see revival. I want to see people coming to freedom and feeling welcome, that they can grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I will welcome them. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a neat welcome team here? I think prayer would change that because if we're actually praying for those who come, that they would come and receive Jesus and start growing in him. If you're really praying on those things, that people would be getting saved, do you think you'd be a little more apt to welcome a person when they came through the doors here? Yeah. How about church planting? What if we're actually praying about that? And we actually had a heart that we want to be fruitful. We want to be multiply. multiply. That, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to do. Let's go. Let's make that happen. Okay? That's going to happen through prayer, guys. I don't know about you guys. I believe the last days are here. I don't know how much longer we have. But what does the Lord ask us to pray? Pray for laborers. When's the last time that you guys prayed that God would be raising up laborers? We need to be praying because the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus, and we get to share with them. So be praying for those laborers. Here we sit this morning, and we're considering uh, Lance and Lydia just being a part, you know, officially in a role of serving in such a way. What's their heart? We want to labor for Jesus. We want these young people to know him. Why? So they can share with their friends the truth, the good news. You guys get it. And it really is about prayer. Because we can do all this stuff, but if we're not praying, is the Holy Spirit going to be infused and at work in those things? If we're not praying, are we going to be hearing and discerning the voice of God and what he's asking? So moving forward, what are we going to do? We're going to keep upholding the word of God. Amen. And we're going to be purposeful in praying more. Does that sound good? Amen. So that's it for 1 Corinthians 10. A lot of good stuff. Uh, we are going to be moving into some really neat chapters moving forward. Uh, Joel Lamer is one of our elders. is going to be teaching chapter 11 in a couple weeks. And then we're going to be getting into the spiritual gifts, uh, chapters 12, 13, and 14. I know there's a lot of questions coming around that. I want you guys to read ahead, okay? Uh, vacation last week, I got to read a couple books. One of them was, I uh, got through a whole book on uh, the Holy Spirit, which I've been looking forward to getting into. Uh, very insightful. I'm really excited to get into these chapters with you guys. But I don't know about you guys, but I want to be spirit-led um, in our fellowship here, that we're just open to what God is up to. So I'd love to pray before we head out for baptisms, okay? Um, I'm going to ask, well, we got some kids are going to baptize too. We'll, we'll pray outside for everybody that way. But I'd love for us just to all stand up and we'll close in prayer and then we'll head out for baptism and then we will partake in some food together. Oh, well, Father in heaven, we are so grateful once again for opportunity to gather together in your name, Jesus. I thank you for each and every one of these guys, Father, and just your goodness and faithfulness that you've shown towards us, Lord. Your grace has found us that we could know you. What a blessing, even those that may be here today that aren't in relationship with you. God, for people to be able to hear the truth of the gospel, 
that there is a way to be forgiven of sins. And Jesus, that you are, uh, you're it, your Savior, Father. It is a blessing, Lord, to proclaim that good news. And we want to do that well, Lord. We want to uh, walk into every opportunity that you would have for us, Lord, whether it's community outreach or worshiping together here on Sundays or the Bible studies or just in our workplace with our neighbors. God, we want to be uh, eternally minded. We want to be in a place where we are growing in you and sharing of you well. So all we can do is uh, be willing Lord, to offer ourselves as vessels for you to work through. And that's our desire here at Freedom Fellowship. We want you to have your way and your will to be done, Lord. God, it's not about us. It is about you. And we want you to be glorified well. So we pray just for a grace upon our church family, God, that you would keep us close to you. God, help us to keep encouraging one another in the faith. God, that we would be built up in ways that really honor you and glorify you. Thank you so much for your word this morning. This is so practical and so needed. And as we testified before, your ways, Father, are so better than ours. You are so right, God. Help us to humbly do it your way. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.